You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I'm the Director of Policy Communications for NCBA, and we are coming to you today from a restaurant in Washington, D.C. called Farmers and Distillers. Uh, and we're here today because we have tried fake meat so that you don't have to. I'm here today with Danielle Beck, who is our Director of Government Affairs and in charge of this issue for NCBA. Danielle, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Ed, for having me, although I can't say thank you for forcing me to eat this fake meat today. The things that we will do for the industry, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish NCBA offered hazard pay. <laughs> All right, but the good news is it's, it's only been about 10 minutes. We have survived, and we are going to review the fake meat that we ate. But first, why don't you fill people in on this issue, where it came from. It's a new issue for the industry and for NCBA. And tell us a little bit about the policy that was adopted at our convention in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. So, Ed, uh, at our 2018 convention, uh, we passed new policy to protect beef nomenclature. Uh, we recognize that many products are being falsely mislabeled and marketed as equivalent uh, or substitutes for beef. And so we passed a resolution that notes that NCBA opposes alternative proteins being permitted to use beef nomenclature or, or any nomenclature associated with proteins sourced from livestock production. Uh, and then our, our policy further states that the definition of beef should only include products derived from actual livestock raised by cattle farmers and ranchers and harvested for human consumption. Okay, so I know we've gotten a lot of calls and emails from media, from members, from producers saying, what exactly does this mean? Like, what are what is the end game? Um, and it is a little bit vague right now. We're, we're much closer to the starting line on this issue than the finish line. But what does it look like? I mean, some of the things that we have to figure out as an industry and as a government is who has jurisdiction over this and who is going to regulate this thing and, and how things are going to be labeled. Talk a little bit about that and how the different jurisdictions may break down between um, USDA and some of the other uh, government agencies out there. Well, so Ed, this is a long-term strategy. Uh, it's important to remember that um, you know we're doing this because there are certain products that are coming to market that are using nomenclature that could be misleading to consumers, but all those products are plant-based. We want to ensure that our strategy addresses not just the products that are currently on the market, but future products. Uh, so perhaps meat that is grown in a petri dish. Um, you know, we want to ensure that product labels accurately describe the product and do not disparage beef. Um, and we want to make sure that there is absolutely no uh, misinformation or confusion being sold to consumers when they're at the grocery store looking for healthy, safe, and nutritious uh, beef products. Okay, so unlike many podcasts, we don't have an immediate call to action for our members here. There's no bill that's been introduced on the, uh, on the Hill, and it's probably not going to happen in the immediate future. Um, there was a, a petition, I guess, that was filed with USDA a couple of weeks ago. Um, talk a little bit about that and why that's just not really the way to go right now. Yeah. So, Ed, the product that we had today, it was a plant-based protein. It was the Impossible Burger. Um, you know, if we're doing a product review, I just want to throw out there that it was salty, it was mushy, uh, the consistency, the texture was not like real beef. Um, if you put it on a bun with plenty of cheese, tomatoes, lettuce, ketchup, um, it, you know, to a vegan, it could pass as real beef, but for somebody who's a, a regular uh, consummate beef eater, it was not the real thing and it did not compare in a taste test. Um, we are working to ensure that products like the Impossible Burger and like lab meat grown in a petri dish are not allowed to claim any sort of labeling uh, standards that are similar to beef 
because we have a great story to tell and we want to ensure that our products are fairly labeled. Uh, we don't want companies that are producing meat in a lab to be able to use a label clean because that disparages our own product. But we've been working behind the scenes on this issue because really that's the quickest way to get things done when we have a Congress and when we have an administration that's on our side. Uh, you know, when a petition was submitted to USDA, that's one way of going about doing things, but you have to recognize that about three days prior, FSIS responded to a petition that they received in October of 2014. We're living in 2018 right now. It took them four years to issue a final response. A petition's not going to get things done. So we're, we're working hard. We're going to make sure that this, you know, current products on the market are addressed uh, and their labeling is appropriate, but we're also going to ensure that labeling standards that uh, for new products coming to the market do not disparage uh, beef in any way. All right, very good. But now I think what most people are more interested in, and you, you, you touched on it, um, how does it taste? How does it compare to real beef? Um, for this, we are joined by NCBA's Executive Director for Federal Lands and the Executive Director of the Public Lands Council, Ethan Lane. He's also a noted beef connoisseur. Um, just to bring people up to speed, we, we tried three different products here. Oh, really, five. Um, we started off with a black-eyed pea burger, um, which tasted pretty much how you would expect it to taste. It tasted like they put a bunch of black-eyed peas in a blender, mixed in some onions, maybe some breadcrumbs to hold it all together, um, and it was kind of salty and mushy and whatever. Um, but the Impossible Burger is the, the new sort of like product that's out there that's getting a lot of buzz. That is in two different burgers here. One is the Fishers and Distillers All-American Burger, and one is called the Mark's Juicy Lucy, which is a thicker patty with cheese on the inside. The, the first one, the All-American Burger, is two very thin patties. They're basically well done, um, but you can actually get the Juicy Lucy done medium or medium well. So, um, Ethan, why don't you tell us uh, what you thought about the Black Eyed Pea Burger and then uh, the two Impossible Burgers? Oh, do you remember the old uh, Oscar Mayer bologna commercial, My Bologna Has a First Name? My Disappointment Has a First Name, and it is impossible. I actually enjoyed the Black Eyed Pea Burger more than the Impossible Burger, and I did not enjoy the Black Eyed Pea Burger yep. at all. You know, the problem with all of these is they're trying to replicate an incredibly uh, iconic pro product that people taste and know and, and recognize, and the only way to do it, as you as you said earlier, is to cloak it in cheeses and sauces and different things. And um, you know what you get at the end of the day is kind of a soupy, salty, mushy mess, um, and none of that beef flavor that you're actually looking for. I don't know who the consumer is for this product um, because it, it doesn't really check any boxes for anybody that I've met. And and uh, I'm I'm just curious to see where this debate goes because I honestly I wasn't expecting much today, but I was expecting more than this. Yeah, and as we've said before, to each his own. You know, if it's a viable product, then, you know, go out there and buy it in the free and open marketplace. That's fine with us. Um, and we did, we were kind of joking as we were waiting for our order to arrive. And we were like, well, what if we like this thing? And fortunately, that didn't happen. Like, it's just there is really no contest at this point. And if you look at the media that covers this a lot, um, they start with the headline, you know, this is the greatest new product, and this time it's different. And then you actually read, and they're like, yeah, and you get down to the... 12th to 13th inch in the column and it's like no this is really not the same at all so Danielle do you have anything to add on on your personal review on either the black eyed pea burger or on the impossible meat all-american or juicy Lucy burgers folks I would just say stick to what you know it's it's all all natural locally grown 
support your local farmers and ranchers. Impossible Meat, it's, uh, it's locally sourced from Silicon Valley. All right, there you have it. Danielle and Ethan, thank you for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat real beef. Check us out online at beefusa.org and follow us on Twitter at, at @beltwaybeef. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.